Hello and welcome back my partners in crime, welcome back to another true crime. This is a solved crime, this is from the USA, it's Ohio in the USA case. It is a tragic case of the murder of an 11 week old baby or thereabouts because his date of death is not really precise to tell you the truth. Um, and you'll see this in the mother's trial that, you know, I can't remember, this sort of thing. But this, and there's a graphic content within this video and it, it you know details of how this baby was harmed uh, what happened to him and um, so there's a serious warning that goes out with this case if this case is not for you that's fine there's plenty more on murder analyze that you can look at which doesn't involve infant children being murdered so I just want to put that warning out there straight away now this two-month-old baby was found in a crate at the bottom of a well not far from his parents home in Ohio now it's a real shocking case this one when you think about it and I've actually got footage of the um, mother and the father in the court or, you know, uh, the mother and father of Dylan in the court um, being sentenced and also you know, um, being cross-examined as well by the prosecutor who I must say was an amazing woman this prosecutor and how she held it together the way she did um, you can only applaud her because you could see that she was getting very frustrated with this case and uh, it, you know because of the shocking details of this case really you can you know anyone whether they're a man or a woman really when you are prosecuting this sort of a case you become emotional you try and detach yourself from a case but you just can't so anyway this um, I'm going to outline really what the forensic um, pathologists who performed Dylan's autopsy said in court about his injuries and then you can determine whether you want to watch this case or not from that. So this poor 11 week old baby, Dylan, the pathologist has said that, who performed this autopsy, has said that he sustained fractures to his skull, his arms, his ribs, his leg. Uh, Dr. Susan Brown said that she found some of the child's injuries were in a uh, progression of healing and, and others weren't, they were, they, they was probably done at the time of death. So this boy had been abused on and off throughout his times where he spent with his mother and father in this property. There was clear bruising on this child on the top of his head, especially on the top of his head and down his face towards his eyes where he had had damage then to his skull fracture. He had an you know, his arm was broken. So if you've ever seen a broken arm, you can tell an arm is broken. And there's a reason I'm telling you this because the father seems to think or wants us to believe that he didn't know this was happening to his son. You know, the mothers took full responsibility for these injuries to this child. And he said, oh, I didn't realize, I didn't know. I only helped dump the body. It's so, it's untrue. There is no way that you can have a look at this child and, you know, see the damage, what was happening to this child. It was very evident at that time. Um, and as you'll see, as we go through this case with his prosecution, um, he got away with the aggravated murder part of it. Um, and I don't think he should have. I think there is evidence here. I, 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 do I believe the mother that she was the only one abusing this child? No personally I don't but you know they've both been done for different things and they're going to spend a lot of time in prison for that but no I, I don't believe it and as we go through this case I want you to think about what you believe happened to this poor baby and who was really responsible was it just the mother and then the father's covered it up because that's what they want you to believe or was it both I actually think it was both now 
after the death of Dylan, they wrapped Dylan up in, in loads and loads of like cling wrap stuff, you know, loads of it, not, not something you'd have in your kitchen and stuff. And I think she even says that, the mother, oh, we didn't wrap him in something from the kitchen, we had to get it from the shed. And then they put him in this crate and you'll see the prosecutor holding up this crate. And then they put chains on him, they put stuff on him, and they then chucked him down a 30 foot well to hide the body of this child and the damage that had been caused to this child. You know, this is a shocking bloody case, really. And do you know what it was about, really, why they'd done it? Because they're a pair of junkies, really. And their social services had tried to take the child from him, or didn't, uh, did take the child from them in the early stages of, of when she was, um, the child was born, because he was born with drugs in his system, the same as the mother was. So that automatically warrants in America under their laws of social services that that child would then be removed from the home. Let me direct your attention to January, the timeframes of January 10th to January 15th, 2019. Uh, were you working as a social worker at Southern Ohio Medical Center at that time? So working in the emergency department that weekend on January 12th and January 13th. Okay. And did you have an opportunity to receive a referral from the nursery regarding baby Dylan Groves? On January 13th, I received a call from the nursery stating baby Dylan was ready for discharge and they needed to know what the plan was for <coughs> discharge. I reviewed mom's medical chart, um, the documentation from the social worker, the drug screens, the things that we review when social work's involved in a case. I seen that CPS hadn't notified us what the plan was, so I um, called South County CPS. Let me ask you just for a second. What is the goal of social services at that point? Make sure the baby's discharged to the safest environment. Okay. And you said you review mother's medical chart? And baby's, and baby's yes. medical chart? And then any correspondence or notes from other social workers that have been on staff or on shift? Yes. Okay. And you said as a result of that, you contacted Children's Services? Yes. Okay, and if you would explain to the members of the jury why you contacted them. Um, one of the other social workers did the maternal substance use assessment because mom was positive, didn't have prenatal care. So we did the assessment, we made a referral to CPS. Um, the on-call social worker that day was um, Lauren Johnson. She called me back and said that she had been on the unit for five hours on Friday with the father. Um, let me interrupt you just for a second. You said you guys do a maternal. Explain to the jury what that is. They're used during pregnancy. Um, do they have everything they need for the baby? Their mental health history. Um, are they breast or bottle feeding? Do they have other kids? Do they have prior CPS involvement? Various things like that. Find out their history. Okay. And are the answers to those questions kept in a medical record document at the hospital? Mom's chart um, under maternal substance use assessment form. Okay, and was that done in this case? Yes. Okay. Let me hand you one. Okay, let me take you back to um, substance abuse history uh, by the mother, reported by the mother. If you would explain to the members of the jury what was reported in her medical record regarding substance abuse. Um, it says that she says she is done with drugs and doesn't need treatment. Okay. Why do you guys take that information? What's the, the purpose of taking a substance abuse history? So we know what the mom's count of their, her drug abuse history is. Okay. 
And is that does any of that relate to the care of the baby or the safety of the baby as far as Yeah, so we know if the mom has exposed the baby to substance use during her pregnancy. Okay. And you said that you guys contacted Children's Services. Yes. Okay. Um, what concerns did Southern Ohio Medical Center Social Services have in relation to the safety of the discharge of baby groves? Um, mom and baby both were positive at um, delivery and birth. So we know that if there are two positives during pregnancy or birth delivery, then it should warrant a custody removal of the infant. And we did not feel it was safe for the baby to be discharged home to mom when she was actively using throughout her pregnancy and the mom and baby both were positive at the hospital. Okay. And so what efforts did social services make um, to ensure safe discharge of baby Dylan? Um, Mary Jo made the initial referral. CPS didn't let us know what their plan was before the weekend. So when I got the call on Sunday, I called CPS to find out what their plan was. Lauren told me that she had been on the unit with the dad um, for five hours on that Friday and safety planned baby to go home with dad and said that she drug tested him and he was clean and that he told her that he had no, he did not know about mom's drug use during pregnancy. Okay. Was social services at Southern Ohio Medical Center satisfied with that discharge? No. I told her that, that wasn't appropriate, that we would hold the baby until we got the umbilical cord results were back because with mom and baby both being positive, it should be an automatic removal. Um, so I told Lauren that, talked to the maternity nurses and nursery nurses, and they agreed that we would hold the baby until the cord came back to confirm the positive drug screens um, and let Lauren know that. And then I called my supervisor, Mandy, okay. and discussed it with her. And what was social services intent uh, in the event that children's services did not agree with you? We would have called juvenile court judge, Judge Lemons. Um, he would have done what he needed to do to make sure the baby was removed because of the positive drug screens. Okay, so you were not willing to discharge no. baby Dylan to Daniel Groves? No. You see, he lied. He said, I don't take drugs. She's not going to be there in the evening. I'm going to be there. I'm, you know, all this stuff. He didn't know about the drug taking, even though he was a drug taker himself. Sometimes I think, and this is one thing I want you to think about as we go through this case, because this is a very detailed case really when you come to think of it, when you were talking about people that they live their lives through drugs, you know, through the majority of drugs they was taking, and their child is taken from them, then they fight and fight and fight for this child to be brought back to them to murder it. I, I just can't understand it. I can't understand it. Listen, you'll see this, you know, woman, this um, foster mother that had this child for 12 days. You know, he was coming out with withdrawals of drugs at this time. They, the community had come together. Everyone had come together to help this woman get everything ready for this child within a, a day or two. This child had it all. But then the courts had to then agree because the social services, social worker said, that oh he is fit to look after this child they removed that child from the foster mother and put it back into this home and within a matter of weeks this child was dead so there's a lot to this case and it is upsetting for many reasons but really what I want to get from this case is why do we keep giving these druggies right these people that take drugs and live their life around drugs and that's their choice if they want to do that 
but bringing a child into it, you couldn't even stop taking drugs when you were pregnant enough. So it just shows you the care or the lack of care that she had for that child even when she was pregnant. She did not stop. She didn't turn up to any post, you know, prenatal appointments for this child. She actually didn't even tell the husband she was pregnant until I think her third or uh, yeah, second or third trimester. So, you know, really she hid it. She did, she was so oblivious to even knowing she was pregnant and so she didn't give a shit about this child when it was in her stomach. And then when she's had the child, it's born addicted to drugs. But oh, we're fighting for our child. We want it back. We want this child back in our life. Listen, this is the case of Dylan Groves. And this is the story of these horrible parents who cared more about their dogs than they did about their other child they had in that home and certainly cared more about them dogs than they did about Dylan. Really, they have got no remorse, they showed no remorse at all. Her crying in this court, and you'll see her crying, is about her being caught, not about the guilt she had for murdering her child. Tell the jury how you killed this baby. It was an accident. Not your excuse. How did you murder this baby? How did you cause these injuries? I have sit here and admitted. Answer the question, please. How did you cause these injuries? It was an accident. Not your excuse for what happened. How did you cause these injuries? How did you cause those rib fractures? By dropping him. By dropping him. How did you cause this? That first two inch skull fracture. I don't remember. How did you cause that one inch skull fracture? It had to be from dropping him. How did you cause that complete upper arm fracture? Nothing that I ever did was intentional. I'm not asking for your excuse. How did you cause that complete upper arm fracture? I have to live with this for the rest of my life. You have devoured my family. So listen, these injuries just child happened on at least three occasions, and this is what the pathologist has said. They can tell, even though they tried tried to destroy evidence on this young child, a pathologist can tell exactly what's happened to this child. And she stated that on three occasions this child was attacked either by the mother or by both or you know but probably the mother that missed it so let's say the mother then let's agree with her in this scenario the father knew nothing of it he's now um you know innocent of the fact of, of hurting a child but she's now admitted hurting this child and killing this child so she's admitted that so she is the murderer herself so she said three separate occasions then when he found the child dead this is his story i've come in i found the child dead didn't realise before that it had all these bruises and damage to its head and arms and limbs and stuff. This baby would have been in so much pain. The pain and suffering this child would have had. It couldn't even move this child. It was 11 weeks old, right? The pain. And really, she said, because it was crying. I mean, God, you, you've, you're going to hit a child because it's crying at 11 weeks old. But also in this dead body's baby. 
they found drugs. Now there's no way that an 11 week old baby can pick up a bit of drug or whatever. Now whether that drugs in his system came from the smoking and taking of different drugs in the environment that he was in or it was given to him, that is unclear actually even to this day of how them drugs were still in this boy's system because they shouldn't have been. He was 11 weeks old, them drugs would have been out of that system and there was clear evidence that there was drugs in that child's system at the time of death. So then, what's the bloke do? What's the father of this poor child? What's, the, what's he do? Oh, we're not going to report it. I'm not going to take this child, you know, because he says he didn't see the bruising, see this, so he didn't take it to emergency services to try and get it help. Once the child had died, once Dylan was dead, he then thought, hmm, we'll have to get rid of it. Now that's another reason why I think he may have had more to do with this, right? Because the body was secured in this crate, and I'll show you a picture of the prosecutor holding up this crate. It's like an old milk crate. Uh, he'd been weighed down with 18 rocks and secured with three padlocks. Um, she says Dylan had been wrapped in six layers of plastic that sealed with duct tape and 12 zip ties. So it said the, the authorities haven't disclosed the cause of death because I don't think they know. What one did it? The arm fracture that was left? The two fractures to the skull that was left, the multiple bruising on the head, the other fractures that this child had, I think 11 or 12 in total, the longevity being left in that sort of pain. I, I think we can all imagine what the cause of death was. I don't think we need to have a specific one, right? But I think we can all realise, can't we? We can all understand of what caused this child's death and who did it. Okay, so let's talk about what led up to that day or days because they can't be sure when this child died. So right from the day of his birth, right on the 10th of January 2019, this boy was born with drugs in his system. Authorities claimed Daniel Grove later got the child back, and that's the father, Daniel Grove, after showing that he had followed regulations, saying that he had a proper job, that he didn't take drugs, he didn't know anything about his wife taking drugs, all lies, all, all lies, but the defendant allegedly started missing um, important dates, including court dates and doctor's appointments, because when you have a child that's been in a foster care for, or removed because you've, I, how these even people got this child back, I don't know, but they did, but you've had this child back, you have a father now telling you that he is going to be the one responsible for looking after this child, that yes, the mother, and she stated at the point, at that point, that she had done with drugs and she's never going to take drugs again. She wants to be a good mother to her two children, the older boy and now um, Dylan. And they believe them, right? So there's all these dates set up and you had um, social workers visiting the home and every time they visited that home, um, this Jessica Graves, the mother, was sitting there holding the baby tightly and he was wrapped up tightly. Of course he was wrapped up tightly because you're trying to hide the bruises that you've caused, the damage to the arm. But if these social workers, rather than just going in there, listening to the bullshit, what about these parents are coming out with, literally pick that child up because it's their right, you know, they can do that. At any point, they can ask to see that child. They can. Hold that child. Check that child out. They didn't. They didn't. 
they went in, everything seemed okay, the child seemed to be comfortable and asleep in the mother's arms. She seemed to be okay. Listen, she was abusing this kid. She was abusing this kid. This Jack Daniel Groves then, this defendant, you know, he was charged with this aggravated murder, but, you know, uh, and kidnapping, endangering a child, tampering with evidence, interfering, um, in, interference, of um, the custody, gross abuse of a corpse, and four counts of um, assault. So there was so, you know, so much was going on in this household. And you have a, he's missing appointments, he's doing all this, and all of a sudden, these um, police think, well, the social services then ring the police to get involved because they need to find this child, right? They need to find this child. This child really should be now under the court's protection, but the court had let it go. In, back into the parents or the father's responsibility on the recommendation of the social services, right? They've said, we're going to now remove it from the foster home and send it back to them. That's down to social services. The court will only do recommendations what they get from social services when it can, does this sort of thing, when it can, you know, when it's about a child's life and safety. So he lied. He'd give a good story, didn't he, to the social workers. But my whole thing with this case is why do we keep believing parents? Why do we keep believing that drug people that take drugs and live a illicit life of drugs and God knows what else they're doing in their household are capable of looking after a newborn child? And I think this is the whole thing with this case. It's a shocking case, this is a terrible case, isn't it? It's a horrendous murder of a child, yes. But further reaching, we have to think, how many more children are we going to lose because of incompetence? And that's really what it comes down to. How do we believe these people that they are going to, you know, do the right thing? You can't, because they're people that take drugs and they lie. And I think if, if people just understood that, and if people social workers use the powers that they had as social workers when they are doing home visits to actually check these children out because we've had a case haven't we here like baby p that wasn't checked and actually when he was checked one time at the hospital she missed that he had a broken back right but you can see the bruises if you take out the blanket open up the blanket the social worker would have seen the bruises but she left and a few days later this child then is dead. This is really the whole case of this thing. The mother and father are monsters, right? That's what they are and they deserve everything they've got. Really, they're monsters. Monsters for doing what they've done. But we have to put some blame on the authorities here, on these people that did not remove this child. They did it first and give it to them. They fought to remove this child because of the drugs in the, drug, the baby system but then he's talked his way around to a social worker and they've believed him without really doing their checks. Not really. If they'd done all their checks, they would have found he didn't really have a job. He hadn't worked there in a long time. He was taking drugs. There was abuse in this home. Actually, when they raided this property, there was a lot of stuff in this property. So these people were not great people. They certainly weren't parent material. So listen, as I said, when they couldn't find this 
this man didn't keep turning up to appointments. They, they had no sightings now of Dylan. Now they're worried, right? The shit's going to hit the fan now because it's another statistic, isn't it, for the social services that they've done wrong again. You know, a slip through the net and another one slipped through the net. But they get a warrant, you see, and the police now are surrounding now this property because there's forces, I think, from everywhere that's come together now to find this poor young child. And on the 20th of May, um, these deputies obtained this search warrant, right, to, uh, and got Jessica Graves to give herself up quickly. And then he barricaded him, this Daniel Graves, the father, barricaded himself in this property. Now he was barricading himself in this property because he didn't want these police in this property because there was around um, <laughs> uh, $42,000 worth, dollars because it's America, of stolen items in the residence. So he's a thief as well as a killer, really, and a child abuser, really. $42,000 worth of stolen items. So that's why he didn't want them in the house. It was later found... Um, that the infant was found in this well. Now there was issues with this as well because when they were both arrested after six hour standoff with this man, um, they was taken to the police station. Of course they was interviewed, weren't they, by then the detectives and stuff. Now this woman detective was really quite good at this interview with him. You know, there's a process to how you do it. You want to get as much information out. But it was clear that he was lying. And also, I don't know how stupid these people are, but in every cell and in every interview room and a police station, everywhere really, you're cameraed up. Now you're cameraed up, plus the cameras have got really, really good listening devices. So even if you're whispering, they can hear. So he told the officer where he, they could find the body and they searched and searched and searched, they couldn't find it. And in the interview, when they looked and listened, them two, they'd put them together to try and you know, get them to um, sort of incriminate themselves, which they did really. And he said, I took him to the wrong place. The body's not there. So they knew he was lying. And then they, he, in the end, she finally got him to say where this child was buried. So this is where now this autopsy is done, isn't it, on this child right now. We need an autopsy now because you found this child at the bottom of the well. God, the way he was wrapped, they didn't want anyone to ever find this body. And you have to think, why? Right? Because they'd murdered him. That's why. And they were trying to get rid of evidence. Now, at the time when you do an autopsy, there's always blood screening, you know, um, there's always tests on everything. And uh, they need to do these tests to make sure he didn't die of any natural causes as well as any of the other damage that he had. So toxicology tests and stuff were done. And in this little boy's body, as I've said, this 11-week-old baby's body, methamphetamines were found. Now, as I've said before, a child of that age can't reach and pick up methamphetamines, uh, amphetamines, can they? You know, there was no accident here that this child had this sort of drug in his body. So was they giving him drugs as well to shut him up, to keep him quiet? So his body was found, I think, on the uh, 30th of June. Um, and then parents were Danielle and Jessica Graves, and he was 41 and she was 39. So these are not young, right? That You know, a lot of people say, oh, because they're young and they, they take drugs. And they, no, these weren't young. You know, 41 and 39. You already have one child as well. And you think, you know, is their drug addiction so bad that this is what they've got to do? I mean, in this country, in the UK, you know, a lot of times we have people 
that lose a lot of times, I'm telling you, we have people that lose their children because of drugs and drug misuse that they've had. And you see them fighting and fighting and fighting to get these children back. And sometimes, you know, or most of the time, uh, they're on, um, on some benefit and something else. So that in that case, you can say, are they fighting for this child? Because then they have the money that's not spent on the child, like the family allowance and everything else they get. But it's spent on drugs. I'm not really sure with America, so I don't know about their welfare system. But obviously, if this man wasn't working and this man had over 40 odd thousand dollars worth of stolen goods in his property, they had enough money. So they didn't want Dylan back for the money, surely. Uh, it wasn't about money for them. So, what was it about? But then, if you fight that hard to get a child back from care, um, why kill it? You know, some really unanswered questions in here, isn't there really? I mean, it's, you can't even say it's an accident or she's dropped this baby or, you know, the baby's, you know, suffocated or whatever else. Because the injuries were sustained and uh, different um, attacks on this child. So it's a really unusual case, this one, when you, you know, you see the mother and father that, you know, no matter how they want to get their money, seem to have it. And so what was the real reason behind this killing? Was it because they just couldn't shut this child up? As she said, it wouldn't stop crying. But then, why not just give it back and say, we're not really dealing with this, we're not really coping with this. But they didn't. They killed him instead. I think it was um, methamphetamine and amphetamines in Dylan's liver. So when they're doing the autopsy, that's how they find it. So, um, you know, with this case, it's just, it's a shocking case really, because when you go into hospital and you have a child and you're pregnant and they do a toxicology, a blood test or a urine test, the urine test shows up, right, of some drugs in the system. That automatically then brings up a red flag and that's when the social services are coming in to then involved in your life. Or in America, in certain cases in Ohio, um, it's a very good system because even if you haven't made your antenatal appointments and stuff that means you you're not showing care in your well-being and the well-being of your child that also is a red flag to them then to come and see you once you've given birth but yes you know in most hospitals i think all hospitals now all over the place you know you're you're tested for drug use because you can't have a child uh, you know being born um with drugs in his system because then that way he will have withdrawal symptoms and them symptoms can be really really bad. Dylan was actually born a, a few weeks premature as well so he was quite small and um, he was uh, suffering from drug um, you know withdrawals really from the amount of stuff that the mother had took while she was pregnant. So he was um, you know little and the, the there was a lot of to in and throwing, I think, in the hospital because the new drug system that they had there, the new machine that tested it, didn't come up with a positive positive. It came up with a positive, um, like query, could be. And so really it isn't then until you do the blood or you send that sample off then to be tested that it comes back with a negative or a positive. Now if the mother tests positive and the child tests positive to drugs in the system, that's an instant removal of a child, right? instantly removed because that shows that you are unfit to be a parent to that child while you're under the influence of drugs 
Plus, it also shows that while you was pregnant, you had no care for your child. So that is an instant. That's it. You're taken. But then, the thing is then you have other... This is the policy, right? And it works. And then that child will be taken right from them at birth. is taken, put into a foster home, a foster carer, um, who Dylan had. That will then look after you until the court determines... Um, whether you're capable of getting this child back but this wasn't really the case in this case 12 days later Dylan was returned to the family home because of one social worker's report that said that she had spent five hours with the um, husband Daniel the father Daniel Groves and that she had believed him that he had said that he wasn't on drugs, she wasn't on drugs, he didn't know she was taking drugs and he vouched for her and also took the responsibility with his child. I, you know, and as I've said before, I, this, this is the issue, isn't it? There's an issue. Could this child's life have been saved? Yes, of course he could have been saved. He should never have been put in a place of danger. And when these drug results come through, that is an instant removal. They then have to work and work and work more than 12 days to prove that they are capable of having this child back. Listen, there's a lot of people that are, have taken drugs and come off drugs and then been great parents. But you are incapable of being a great parent when you are in the influence of drugs or drink or anything else. When you're talking about having a child in the early stages of under um, three months old, it's just shocking, isn't it really? So really, yes, he's deaf. I think could have been avoided but it wasn't and there again now opens up this can of worms as we then start looking at the policies of social services you know the court system how can we make sure and maintain the safety of the children that are born into drug drug addicted people it's very difficult isn't it so you're going to see some testimony of um, Jessica Groves telling the court how she uh, caused the injuries to Dylan. Well, how she can remember causing these injuries because she sort of can't remember. And she said that the injuries to Dylan were on March the 27th and he died on the March the 28th. So she could remember that, but she couldn't remember how he got them injuries. I have sit here and admitted Answer the question, please. How did you cause these injuries? It was an accident. Not your excuse for what happened. How did you cause these injuries? How did you cause those rib fractures? By dropping him. By dropping him. How did you cause this, that first two-inch skull fracture? I don't remember. How did you cause that one-inch skull fracture? It had to be from dropping him. How did you cause that complete upper arm fracture? Nothing that I ever did was intentional. Or how she done it, or why. And this is why I'm saying that the prosecution in this case was so frustrated. I would be. Right, I tell you, you know, you're, you're up at, you, you know, you've, listen, you've seen the autopsy reports on this child. You would have seen in this courtroom the um, 
photographs of this child and, and how he was wrapped and buried and the injuries to this child. You know, you're seeing all this. This prosecutor is only human, but she wanted some answers. And you'll see it in this, this clip. She wanted answers. And really, when you look at this woman and her trying to give this answers, and they're crying and, oh, you've destroyed my family. No, no one's destroyed your family. You've destroyed your family because you're a murderer, really. And, and then as we come down into this case and then the judge is then giving them their sentencing. Uh, listen, a high, a high sentence, well-deserved, well-deserved sentence in this case. matter comes before this court this 10th day, January 2020, which defendant's sentencing hearing is being held pursuant to revised code section 2929.19. Defendant Daniel Groves, will you please stand? Sir, as to count two of the indictment, you have been found guilty of the charge of murder I will sentence you to the prescribed term of imprisonment for that offense of 15 years to life in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. As to count three of the indictment, you are convicted of a charge of kidnapping, a felony of the first degree. Uh, you have been found guilty by the jury. I am going to sentence you to a term of imprisonment of 10 years in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. As to count four of the indictment, charge child endangering, a felony of the third degree, I will sentence you to a 36-month term in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. As to count five of the indictment, charge tampering with evidence, a felony of the third degree, I'm going to sentence you to a 36-month term in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. As to count seven of the indictment, charge gross abusive corpse, a felony of the fifth degree, I'm going to sentence you to a 12-month term in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. As to count eight of the indictment, you are convicted of charge felonious assault, a felony of the second degree. I'm going to sentence you to an eight-year term in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. And as to count nine of the indictment, I am going to sentence you to an eight-year term in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. I am going to order the sentence in count five, tampering with evidence, and count seven to run concurrently with each other. It would be my intention by imposing this sentence to impose a term of 47 years to life in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. And we'll give you credit for the 213 days you've served in the county jail awaiting while awaiting trial. Senator Jessica Groves, will you please stand? Ma'am, you stand convicted of the charge of aggravated murder. It will be the sentence of this court that you be sentenced to a term of imprisonment of life without the possibility of parole. That's to count one of the indictment. As to count three of the indictment, charge kidnapping, a felony of the first degree, I will sentence you to a 10-year term in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. As to count four of the indictment, I am going to sentence you to a 36-month term in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. As to count five of the indictment, charge tampering with evidence, I'm going to sentence you to a 36-month term in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. 
as to count seven of the indictment charge gross abuse of corpse, I'm going to send you a 12-month term in the custody of the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. As to count eight of the indictment, I will send you to an eight-year term in the custody of the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. As to count nine of the indictment, charge, also charge felonious assault, I will send you to an eight-year term in the custody of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. As to count five and count seven, I will order those sentences to run concurrently with each other. However, uh, pursuant to my earlier findings, I will order the remaining charges to run consecutive to each other. Would be my intention to impose a sentence of life without the possibility of parole plus an additional 32 years as part of this sentence. You can be seated. Daniel Groves and Ms. Jessica Groves, at this time I am going to remain you to the custody of the sheriff for transport and conveyance to the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. So listen, I know this is a terrible case and I know I haven't gone into very much detail about the murder because no one really knows, do we? We know the boy was injured to such an extent that it ended his life, right? This poor child. We know he was failed by the system. We know that. We know he, how he was failed by his mother and his father, his own mother and father, who felt more about their dogs than they did about their, their children. Also probably felt more about their drugs than they did about their children, really. And this is what ended the life of Dylan. It was that, all of that, that ended Dylan's life, really. No excuses, no nothing, that's what it was that ended this poor child's life. So I can see the frustration in the prosecutor, she's trying to get answers for this woman as to why. But on that stand she admits murdering him. She admits it. And to tell you the truth, you know, what else could she have done, really? But I don't believe the crying and that was for, that was coming from this Jessica, this 39 year old mother, you know, was crying for any remorse that she felt towards the death of her child or what she'd done to the child. She was crying because she was caught and she was about to spend the rest of her life in prison. And so she bloody should. And so should anybody that hurts a child and does that to a child needs to spend the rest of their life in prison. I mean, she's lucky. Maybe in that state, they don't have the death penalty. But if they did, she would have got it. So anyway, thank you for watching. Till the next time. Bye-bye.